This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney. As we approach Thanksgiving and the holidays, it's time for many people to consider making a donation to a charity prior to the New Year's so that for some of you, obviously it's part of it, you want to get that on the books before the the tax year ends, Uh, but there are many things that you should consider doing in terms of the process of deciding which charity is, uh, what you want to donate, how much you want to donate, and looking at the long term as well, because you don't have to just make a donation to a charity that you know has a an effect just in the short term. You have to think long term about this as well. We bring back in our friend Kat Rosquetta, who's the founding executive director of the Center for High Impact Philanthropy here at the University of Pennsylvania. She's also an adjunct faculty member as well. Great to see you. Great to be here. Happy Dan. before the holidays. Thank you. Great Same to have you. you. Uh, it is interesting that the, that the philosophy of a lot of people, as I said, it's it's kind of twofold. A lot of people think, okay, I want to do this. I've been thinking about doing this, and obviously, I want to get it on the books before the the end of the year because uh, of taxes. Right. But it it is the decision of how and when and how much really is an important part, and it's a lot of what you guys really focus in on uh, here at the University of Pennsylvania. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for the two reasons you mentioned, um, people wanting to get, especially if you're based in the U.S., the tax exemption that comes from charitable gifts. But also it... People often refer to this time as the season of giving. So people are reflecting and they're celebrating with their families. Um, People give throughout the year, but particularly at this time and particularly between Thanksgiving and December 31st, we see a disproportionate amount of philanthropic gifts. A conservative estimate is about 25 percent of philanthropy Hmm. in the U.S., um, which amounts to somewhere around $75 billion. Those decisions get made now. Yeah. What is it, though, that people really need to think about when when they're really starting that process? Because, as we said, there's a variety of different avenues you can go. Obviously, there's a variety of different charities you can go. But what are kind of the core thoughts that people should should really be considering right now? Mm-hmm. Um so we always say at the Center for High Impact Philanthropy, if you want your money to go the farthest, and by farthest we mean do the most good in the world, start with what is the good you want to see happen? What's the social impact of your gift? Right. And, and that's always a starting point. Um, once you have clarity there, there are a few steps you can take in order to make sure that whatever amount you're donating is going to go as far as it can to create that social impact. Um, and at the very least, sort of the very first step, the baby step is make sure what or, whatever organization you intend to give to um, is a legitimate one. Sure, yeah. And um, as, as I know our team has talked about before, the good news is that donors today have a lot of free and available information to help them understand whether or not an organization is actually doing the things that it intends, it says it's doing. Yeah. Um, you know, even a quick, it's, it's surprising how many donors don't do a quick Google search. Sure. And yeah. if a nonprofit comes up under investigation um, or uh, with with any sort of stories that suggest the, um, that it's not doing what it ought to, I mean, that's an immediate red flag for somebody to slow down before committing funds. Um, but that's, 
you know, avoiding fraud is I, is not what most people care about. They want to do as much good as possible. Right, and I would think that the, that even though it's there, the percentage of it is probably relatively low when you consider the amount of donations to charities that are going to obviously organizations that do exactly what they say they're going to do. Yeah, and that's that's the great thing, and and frankly, a, a luxury that donors have today is that um, there is more and better information on yeah. not only organizations that are doing great work, but even how much of that great work they're doing. Right. And and the bang for buck that philanthropy can get when you support these organizations. And it was um, it was the understanding of those great philanthropic opportunities and the fact that this is a time of year when people are trying to find those opportunities that led our team to develop our annual year-end guide. The other interesting thing about it is that you have a, a lot of companies that will be linked to organizations. You know, yes. They are basically being kind of a vehicle to bring donations to an organization. Yeah. And, it, and it basically falls in the same realm of, you know, how much is that organ... Like, it, a lot of people talk about the National Football League with breast cancer awareness, uh -huh. you know, and the percentage of money that, of, of sales of breast cancer awareness merchandise yep. that actually go to breast cancer charities yep. is like 12%, yep. which is a shockingly low number. So, you know, there's also that aspect of it that you have to be aware of as well. Yeah, and, and, and that gets to what do you hope this money will do? Now, when you have a big campaign and a corporate sponsor, sometimes the goal of those really visible campaigns is to just raise awareness. Sure, right? yeah. But if that aware, what, what you are looking for is that awareness translating into more funds and those funds translating into a difference in the lives of the people you hope to help. That's yeah. the chain of logic that you're hoping for. 844-WHARTON is the number to give us a call. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that uh, that kind of fall in this room and have questions about, about giving to charities at this time of the year. 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Now, the, the guide that you put together, it's kind of an all-encompassing guide of, uh, of the do's and the don'ts, correct? Yeah, it, it we developed it. Uh, this is the fifth time that we've created this free public resource for folks who are making um, giving decisions. And it started out when we just started getting more and more inquiries yeah. during this time of year. People asking us, what should I do? Is this a good organization? I really care about this issue. Who are some of the uh, best nonprofits working in it? And yeah. we realized that because of the work of the center, we have a tremendous amount of knowledge that if we could just package it well and at the right time could yeah. be useful to a tremendous amount of people. And, and that's that's our hope. And so this is something that people can go on the website and they can download it. Uh, it's in like basically like a PDF form. It's in um, multiple formats. Okay. So um, there's an online version that you can easily access from our website or your mobile device. Yeah. Um, if you're the kind of person who really wants to print it out uh, and, and consider it and maybe share your decisions with your family, you yeah. can um, download a PDF. Um, you can also, if, if you'd like, purchase um, a, a book that's related to it. Um, and then we have partnerships with uh, donor-advised fund accounts like Fidelity mm -hmm. that are putting it on their platforms for all nice. their account holders. So for us, really, this was meant to be a resource shared broadly yeah. for anybody who's sitting down at the end of the year and trying to figure out how can I 
uh, write a check to a nonprofit and feel confident that it's going to do good. I- I'm guessing, though, that you probably also get a lot of calls and inquiries from people on a year-to-year basis as you've kind of done this over the last few years of saying, hey, you forgot about X. Right. You, know, you need to put you need to put X in in this because this is something that that happened to me. Yeah. So this this represents um, sort of the tip of the iceberg yeah. in terms of the knowledge that our center has around where philanthropic funds can do good. Yeah. So you'll notice for anybody who looks at the guide, um, we handpicked a, a certain number of opportunities just to to. Um, provide some very specific recommendations. But almost every opportunity that we picked is linked to a broader set of guidance that, again, you can um, you can access for free on our website yeah. if you're looking for more organizations. Um, so this is one quick and dirty. I want to know what are some great organizations. I want some quick tips to make sure that yeah. um, I'm making a difference. And for those of you who aren't finding what you want in the guide, there are all sorts of links to other resources to find great places to give to. And obviously there's a, a, not only a, a variety of different organizations, there's a variety of different reasons to give for the organizations. We're starting, obviously we, we've been talking about uh, about the, the problems with ISIS and, yeah. and obviously we're seeing at a time where hundreds of thousands of, of people are migrating north to Europe, which is obviously going to put a strain on a lot of resources in various countries in in that region as well, which will also include a variety of different charities to help these people out as well. Yeah, one of the... um uh, one of the sections that we included in this guide that we talk about every year is effective disaster response. Okay. Um, and that can be a man-made um, or a natural disaster. And certainly the um, displacement of people that's occurring because of the conflicts in the Middle East is is one that a lot of people care about. And so in the guide, you'll see um, organizations that have a lot of experience working with displaced people. Um, Two that we mentioned specifically are uh, Medicine Sans Frontieres, um, which is has experience delivering medical care in some of the hardest to serve places. Um, And large organizations like Save the Children that have a real track record of particularly helping children who have been traumatized sure. by the kind of displacement we're seeing in the news. Uh, the tips that you, that you have on the website for, for, for giving, as you mentioned, the first one is start with impact. Are people thinking more about the impact now than, than ever before because of they want that to make a long-lasting you know, appeal, or I should say a long-lasting impact on, uh, on, on uh, the, the charity? Yeah, so we, we haven't sort of done empirical research yeah. on this, but here are a few things that we do know. Um, one is that, particularly after the recession in 2008, there were more and more folks who were trying to understand how can I get the most out of the money I have? There was yeah. a shock to a lot of foundations that forced them to think more bang for buck. The other development is um, there's a whole group of emerging donors, um, millennials, who are digital natives, and they've grown up in a time where they have been able to expect good information Mm -hmm. um, and results for every aspect of their lives. And um, they are seeking out information about giving, just like they're seeking out information on a lot of other things they're doing. And I think those two are leading uh, leading towards a um, more interest in understanding how philanthropy can really make a difference, how it can get to the social impact donors seek. 
844-WHARTON is the number to give us a call. Your comments are welcome or questions about donating at this time of the year to charities. 844-942-7866 is the number. We're talking with Kat Roschetta, who is the founding executive director of the Center for High Impact Philanthropy here at the University of Pennsylvania. But I guess it is interesting because once you... Once you kind of pick out that charity and you, you want to get that bang for your buck, the the research that you need to to put into it, as you alluded to before, doesn't take that much these days because of the access to so much of this information on the internet. Yeah, it it um, it doesn't take that much for compared to say twenty years ago. Yeah, uh, our center and others exist because the work has to be done by someone. So sure. in a way, what we hope we're doing is we're doing the legwork for donors yeah. so that they can get to impact faster. Um, and the kind of work that helps us identify what are really some of the best bets in philanthropy um, includes things like looking at the academic research and doing the kinds of site visits to nonprofits that not every donor has the time sure. or ability to do, yep. um, talking to the organizations themselves. That's the kind of due diligence that can help you understand what's a great bet. I mean, in a way, it's very similar to the kind of due diligence that uh, you know a venture capitalist or, or an investor um, in a small company might do before they decide, yeah, this is an organization that can really, you know, take my money and turn it into something big. But is the level of of dishonesty in this, especially, you know, you may may have people that you run into on the street or, you know, door to door, that type of thing. Is that that's still prevalent out there today? Um, again, there's there's yeah. no research that indicates it's high or low. Yeah. And and, you know, our our team our team is really trying to sort out the best. So yeah. we um, we are looking at those organizations where the research indicates that they're doing a great job. When you talk to the beneficiaries and the other practitioners on the ground, they on the ground they all point to this organization as a leader. Um, when you look at the economics of the organization, yeah. their bang for buck is really good. So. That's what we focus on are yep. who are the stars and can we identify them in such a way that, you know, people who are want to get the most social impact out of their funds um, can get to them quickly. Well, and, and just, you know, looking at the website right now, I mean, it's a variety of different opportunities that people could think about. Obviously, poverty and food and and disaster, as, as you've mentioned, but also uh, issues with uh, neonatal mortality, uh, the, you know, inner city stuff, you know, the, yeah. the, 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 the lots that in a lot of big cities are just are, are neglected at this point, you know, buildings that basically are shut down because, uh, you know, nobody has used them or, you know, people that are that are on the other side of the law have been using them yeah. and they've been shut down. Absolutely. I mean, that's. Um, one of the screens we use to handpick the specific opportunities we profile yeah. is to give people a sense of just the diversity of ways your money can help. And and the one that you're alluding to, um, there's actually some great research that was done here at Penn that showed um, if you take a vacant lot in a post-industrial city and you clean it up and you green it, it's called like uh, greening and cleaning, Yeah, there are so many positive results that come from that activity. And those results are things like reduction in crime, because those places can often be a haven um, for for criminal activity. You see increases in the property values of the people around um, who who live around that once vacant lot. Mm -hmm. Um, You even see measurable decreases in things like um, uh, stress 
and mental health. Simply walking by a green place um, can make a tremendous difference as opposed to walking by the blight and the criminal activity that was there beforehand. So that's just one of the many examples of um, opportunities where there is great evidence that they make a difference and where philanthropic funds can help make more of a difference. You think about some of the cities uh, around the United States. Obviously, there are cities like that around the world. But here in the U.S., I mean, Detroit is probably, you know, right at, at near the top of the list with uh, with all that has happened in that city yeah. just in the last two years, going through the bankruptcy and, and basically the redo that they have to do in Detroit right now. Absolutely. I mean, people... Um, may not realize that vacant lots currently comprise about one-fifth of the land area in post-industrial huh. um, U.S. cities. Wow. So, you know, this is an opportunity to take what is a drag on so many cities and turn it into an asset. 844-WHARTON is the number to give us a call. 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call. If you have a comment or a question, we're talking with Kat Rosquetta from the Center for High Impact Philanthropy here at the University of Pennsylvania. One of the other areas which which you post on the website, which I find interesting, is called on the site called Summer Slide. And, yes. and it really talks about learning and that loss of learning for kids that are in low-income low areas. Yeah, a lot of people talk about the achievement gap between low-income students and, and their wealthier peers. Yeah. And um, many experts now point to a lot of that gap occurs during the summer when you have um, low-income and vulnerable children who do not have access to what a lot of their wealthier counterparts have during the summer. They don't have access to books. They don't have mm-hmm. a um, available and supportive caregiver. They don't have the kind of enriching opportunities that come when you're going to a high-quality summer camp. Yeah. And so they end the school year at a certain uh, learning level, and then they lose it during the summer. That's yeah. the slide. Yeah. And you can imagine year after year, that slide can result in a bigger and bigger gap between the kids who have all of those great summer experiences that boost learning (laughs) and the kids who don't. Um, And one of the programs that we highlight specifically addresses that summer slide. And and the results are, are really promising where those kids not only don't slide, they show up with learning gains. Hmm. in September. And that's the kind of progress you want to see, particularly for kids um, who are uh, who lack the kind of educational opportunity and, and wind up being the ones left behind. And a lot of that is is literally, it has to be the, the, the old line, the boots on the ground, being yep. able to reach these, these kids and reach the families as well to be, to be able to get them involved in, in various uh, programs. And that was, that was exactly the key for the program that I'm, I'm talking about, which is um, Springboard Collaborative. They recognized that the parents, the caregivers of these kids were an undertapped resource to yeah. prevent the slide. So that they don't hmm. just work with the students, they work with the parents and with teachers during the summer. And it's it's that that team that makes sure that the kids not only stay on track, but in some cases actually progress during the summer. Uh, Kat Rosquetta joins us. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Uh, we're talking about uh, donating at this time of the year, going into the holidays, 844-942-7866. How big of an issue still is the problem with neonatality and, and neonatal mortality these days? Uh, I'm assuming you're talking specifically about in the developing yeah, world. Yeah. Um, it's a huge problem still. And, and what is so tragic is that um, these are known 
treatable, preventable conditions. Yeah. Um, we, we've long known how to increase child survival rates. The trick has been making sure that what we know gets um, to the communities where children are still dying, um, dying as newborns and um, dying under age five. Mm. So one of the um, solutions that we highlight is um, something called a home-based newborn care package. And, and these are it's a really simple package of tools and interventions. It costs about $7 to provide them to a, an at-risk mm. family. And it's things like um, sterile blades to cut umbilical cords, um, teaching moms about the importance of uh, immediate breastfeeding, right, yeah. that, that boosts uh, immunity and strengthens the child, treating common infections, um, keeping newborn babies warm, things that... Um, for many of us um, who live in the United States and sort of middle income, we don't even think about right, it. We assume. We assume that, that yeah. that's going to happen. Um, but for some of these communities, the lack of that means that too many babies are dying too soon. Which is obviously ties into the lack of, uh, of medical assistance that they have in, in some of these communities. And obviously yes. they may have to you know go 100 miles to find a hospital. Exactly, exactly. And so the, the way in which... Um, uh, organizations like Search, which is one of the ones that we profile in the guide, um, make sure this package of, of life-saving interventions gets to um, moms and their children is by using uh, community health workers yeah. that kind of cover that last mile and uh, and reach the uh, these women where uh, a hospital or a clinic is just, it's not feasible for them to get to. 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call if you'd like to ask a question. 844-942-7866. One of the other areas which you focus on as well is the issue with drugs and drug use, uh, which is still uh, a, a big problem, not only here in the United States, but around the world. Yeah, it's. Um, I don't think you can pick up a newspaper um, or listen to the radio, frankly, every week. Um, there is some news story about what some people have been referring to as the quote-unquote quiet epidemic, yeah. which is the epidemic of um, drug abuse, addiction, and particularly opioid addiction um, that may have started out with uh, prescription drug use, um, but for some set of people uh, turned into heroin addiction. Yeah. Um, and and th again, just like with the neonatal care, the child survival rates, um, people are dying because of this. And um, they're dying despite the fact that there are... Um, programs and tools that we know are effective in preventing deaths from overdoses and not just effective in meaning that they prevent people from dying but they're really cost effective sure, it doesn't yeah. take a yeah. lot of money literally to save lives and um and we talk about uh, a couple of these programs in the guide um uh, uh syringe exchange programs which um despite the myth uh there have been multiple studies that show that it does not increase drug use. No. Instead, there are multiple studies that show that um, it not only saves lives, but it reduce, reduces rates of things that um, people are getting quite scared about again, which is um, uh, HIV infections. Sure. Um, and, and so it's interesting. You're seeing some of the more conservative governors around the country who were dead set against any kind of needle exchange program now that they're seeing the epidemic of heroin use and they're seeing the related increases in HIV infections and other drug-borne diseases are saying, no, we've got to put a stop to it. The research indicates this works. Now we're using it. And philanthropy can help make sure more of those programs are reaching the communities who need it. 
is there is there another area that that is really a, an important focus for for what you do that we haven't touched on at this point? Well, in a way, there's um, it's related to the conversation we just had about addiction, um, which is uh, specific programs to support uh, women who are suffering from drug abuse and are caring for children. Okay. Um, and and you know, just as I was coming in today. There is a movement to criminalize um, uh, women, addicts whose drug abuse have affected their kids. And um, what we found was some really great efforts to not only get those women back on track, Mm -hmm. but they're quite sensitive to the fact that mothers come with children and treating the children with the moms not only leads to better outcomes from the mom, meaning... um, healthier and getting into recovery, but also a better trajectory for those children Hmm. than what sometimes happens, which is you separate the child from the mom. Um, They are, uh, the mom winds up not being able to uh, get into recovery sooner, all sorts of health outcomes, and the children remain traumatized. Um, Meta House is one of the programs in Milwaukee that we spent a good time looking at that has been a pioneer in... um, changing the trajectory of the lives of these women and children so that both are healthy and productive, which is what we want for all families. I was going to say, but unfortunately, probably that's not happening in, happening enough in, in cities across the U.S. Yeah, no, the, um, one of the th- uh, types of resources that we have uh, in the guide and online are um, if you are interested in some of the examples we have in the guide, but it's not operating in your area, yeah. we provide um, resources to help you find organizations in your local community that might be positioned to deliver the kind of effective um, programs that we talk about. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.